Debrienne with anchors. Mateo Debrienne! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the CPL Newsroom presented by Volkswagen. Week 8 has come and gone, and what a record-breaking week it was. You may have seen it or heard it. By the way, that is a little bit of a cheeky Adam Jenkins laugh there. Not sure if that's borderline cute or evil uh, when Kikuta Mane smashes the ball in off the bar. Uh, it was a record-setting weekend, no doubt about it. It began last Wednesday when York United set a club record with three wins in a row for the first time. Stunning forge with a 2-1 win, uh, thanks to Brem Samaro's 93rd-minute screamer. The action continued into the weekend. We said it about it on Friday night. It ended Vancouver FC 3, Pacific FC 6. Yes, that's right. Nine total goals, the most ever in a CPL game. Um, and the youngest ever goal scorer as TJ Tahit scored the second of three for Vancouver FC. Quack in the seventh, Tahit and Hundel with a penalty. As for Pacific, six goal scorers, all very different. Didich, Hurd, Salouf, Angaro, Aparicio from the spot. And I said, aforementioned Mane. On Saturday, Calvary won. Forge won. Uh, continued to be a real good duel in the end. Jordan Hamilton in the 94th minute got the equalizer after Ali Moussi scored in the first half. A big win in the nation's capital on Saturday. Bassett and Shaw for Atletico Ottawa secured three points against Halifax Wanderers. And on Sunday, a really fun, wide-open game in Winnipeg ended 1-1 in the rain, the tropical heat storm, and in the end, another two brilliant individual goals. Babouli for York, Debrian for Valor. Common themes of the week, brilliant goals, no doubt about it. More leads evaporating. If you've been watching the season closely, that has been a real theme all year long. We've had four more leads evaporate this weekend. Coaches making a difference with subs. That was crucial as well all weekend. We'll get into all of that with our correspondents over the next hour here on the newsroom brought to you by Volkswagen. We start the show, though, in the nation's capital and in Ottawa, where all the talk around the 2022 regular season champions was one of negativity. Last week's loss against Ford, for example, made it four defeats in their opening seven games. For reference, only four defeats came in their first 17 games last year. That also, their fourth defeat, was a home loss against Forge. Safe to say, then, this game against Halifax was enormous. And we bring in our own Mitchell Tierney, who was our correspondent on this one. Uh, Mitch, great to see you again. Pressure on the hosts to win. Pressure on Halifax to deliver. Overall, what number out of 10 would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor? And what did you like it? Yeah, I give it an eight out of ten. Uh, a really more open match than maybe anticipated between you know two sides who, like you said, really really needed three points. Uh, Twenty eight shot attempts between the two sides, plenty of chances, uh, especially in a very wide open and, and thrilling second half that I think really could have gone either way. Um, Halifax, you know, through Andre Rampersad missing a glorious chance to to take the lead, and the lead would you know, be so, so important in a match between these two sides and, you know, another outstanding crowd in Ottawa who 
really we're finally given something to to cheer about. I, I believe that's just the fifth time in 23 home matches in all competitions under Carlos Gonzalez that Ottawa scored more than a single goal at home. So a big performance from uh, Atleti and a, a really thrilling overall match. Yeah, it was a tremendous victory for them. By the way, we're hoping to get on Ali Ollie Bassett within the next 10 minutes to talk more about this as well. Uh, Bassett was just the driver in all this. You know, we can talk about shape and tactics, and often we do. And I know you had a great piece uh, on campia.ca just about Atletico Ottawa, particularly in possession, moving back to that familiar back three. Wimet certainly got, a, I think, got a lot better in his form. They're getting a little bit more together. Speo was terrific. He's going to be in the team of the week this week. Um, sometimes it can be about shape and tactics, but sometimes, Mitch, it's just about perseverance some patience and just desire. And led by Bassett, that seemingly was what the case was like in the second half. This team just willed themselves to win. Yeah, and that's crucial as well, obviously, for a team who were sitting bottom of the table and, and desperately needed the three points. You know, they start very well. Um, the, the better side through 40 minutes, you know, they're creating overloads uh, down the wing with John and the LSC. Um, Johnny Dos Santos, but you know they can't quite click in front of goal. Then Halifax starts to to grow into the game. Obviously, that that Rampersad chance um, that you know Sean Melvin. Obviously, you know you expect Rampersad to to make that, but Sean Melvin with a game saving reflex stop on that. Um, then on the goal, you know just just the effort um, from Ollie Bassett. Uh, I think Jordan Wilson showed this very well on the broadcast, but. The, his ability to make that run and, and get forward up there with Malcolm Shaw, you know, if Bassett's not there, it's another missed chance for Ottawa. It's another uh, good opportunity that goes begging, and then who knows the shoulder or the heads drop, um, and maybe it's it's another forge like last week where they have all these chances and and can't find the breakthrough. So uh, that was a critical critical moment in the match, and yeah, just uh, an excellent performance for Bassett. By the way, he's in the exact same spot on the on the. The next goal as well obviously Shaw converts it but you know this is a player who's really finding himself in those good positions this season his fourth goal and uh critical for for Ottawa to to get that goal and get these three points yeah Bassett currently tied with Sean Hundell for the golden boot lead as well at four goals in the CPL uh first home win since August of last year as well for them which was an, 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 a crucial win for their home fans you could see what it meant for them uh we're going to get more into Carlos Gonzalez next in terms of the impact that he made on this game but before we do that let's go back to TD Place and hear from the Athletes Go Ottawa Gaffer. It was a very important win today. I think it was a win that we were looking for for a lot of months ago. Uh, a win that uh, the, the the fans deserve it. The the people that come every single day to the stadium to to cheer up the the team they deserve it. The first, secondly, for the players, very important win so that we start to have better feelings in the at home and they start to have a little bit more of of confidence. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, three points that are very useful points to be in a, in a better position in the league and um, and, a, and a win that can give us, well, a push for the next game. Push for the next game, no doubt. This was a huge day for him, right? I mean, you think about coming in on the back of a bit of pressure, you know, the first real time he's had a lot of pressure piling on, they get that victory five nil away, but then suddenly they lose games, obviously against Fort, the game against Cavalry and against Forge. It seemingly was going the wrong direction. Mitchell, it was still nil nil when he made triple sub in mm -hmm. the 67th minute. And it looked like it was going to be familiar again. Okay. This time they're playing better, but they're not going to get it done on. Then comes Noah Verhoeven, Zach Verhoeven, Carl Hayworth, and it completely changed the game. They all made a direct impact right away. 
Yeah, I think it was a real recognition from from Gonzalez as to which players uh, would really fit the the type of game it was turning out to be. You know, when when things were opening up and there was a little bit more space, um, you know, in behind Halifax and um, in those attacking areas. You know, a guy like Zach Verhoeven who. Um, has done this before. We've seen it in multiple occasions. We saw it earlier against Vancouver um, when, when they were kind of opening up in the, the second half, you know, down a couple of goals, Verhoeven comes on and makes an immediate impact here again. Um, he comes in, you know, he wins that that header in the midfield that leads to to the, the goal and then uh, the opening goal. And then, you know, he obviously plays that beautiful ball through to Noah Verhoeven uh, for the, the second goal. So yeah, great impact. And again, just a, a good recognition of, of what type of players um, could make the change in this match. Quickly, Mitch, before we get to Halifax, did you think that this was like a, a response that the players deserve? You mentioned earlier, deserve to give to the fans. That fan base came alive in the second half. And part of football is understanding when your team needs that lift. And it, it's mm-hmm. seemingly from the broadcast alone, you could sense that this was something the players wanted to give back to the fans. Yeah, I think absolutely. I mean, you know, we, we, it's been well documented how much soccer is growing in that in that area. And, um, you know, they, they really were deserving of a performance like this where their side, you know, not only played some beautiful football, but also, you know, finally got that win. So, yeah, it was it was a great performance. And, yeah, you could tell, you know, with the, the celebrations, it was always running towards the dub. Um you know, making the, making it known that, you know, they really have appreciated uh, all the cheering that these fans have done through some difficult times at, at points this season. Let's get into Halifax. And before we hear what you have to say about that, let's go back to TD Place and get the uh, the reaction uh, from Patrice Geiser, who wasn't too pleased, particularly with the body language when the team went down by 1-0. We had a massive chance and it felt like the moment we missed it and the reaction from the group was really poor, you know, like putting their heads above their hands above their head and stuff. I think at that point, instead of wanting more, we deflated and, you know, they kept coming. Game opened up a little bit in the last 20. And once they scored one, we had to make decisions to open up and try to go our one. And they got the second against uh, us opening up. And not much you can do now other than we got a game next week and get ready to get back on the right path. Well, let's get into these guys then, Mitch. It's eight games in and still no wins. Um, I know some of this conversation in the chat from some Halifax fans, that's no wins since September for them. Um, it's hard, though, is it not to put that kind of record with this record? It's a completely different team, different manager, different look. And I'm the more I speak to people who cover this league, the more I feel like there are two camps. There's the camp that's the patient camp that knows that it's coming, uh, that they're playing a lot more attractive football, that you can see that there's clues, right? There's clues to success of, evol- of the team evolving. And there's another camp that go, look, if you can't score goals, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, and this team, you know, a little bit getting a little bit misdirection. Where do you stand and do you feel the same way? I think I'm getting more and more into the second camp of, you know, if, if you can't score goals, where are the results going to come from? Um, I think ultimately this was a very difficult tactical matchup for Halifax as it has been kind of throughout the the matchups between these two sides because they are such a team that likes to play on the front foot and does leave those spaces in behind um, perhaps more than, you know, some of those other sides that are more experienced at playing this way. So um, I thought that was always going to be something that, that Ottawa could exploit, but yeah, it's it's really difficult when you can't create or when you're creating all these chances, but you can't seem to to find that finish, you know. And obviously, it's a 
it's a chance that's really rough to miss because it's a perfectly executed set piece and you can only do set pieces like that so many times before other teams figure it out. So, you know, it's, it seemed like another way that they tried to score. They still couldn't get it done. And obviously, yeah, that's a, that's a difficult one for them. And I think it's, you know, the more they miss these chances, the more it's going to become difficult to start burying them consistently. They've drawn six of their opening eight games uh, of the two games that they've lost. You know, when you, you think about that game, they probably were not the better side, but they had their chance and then they got smashed against York at home. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, the two games that they've lost, I think have shown us that they, they, they can lose playing that way. And I think that's what Patrice has said all along. No, I mean, ultimately when you come in to commit to a style that they want to commit to, you are opening yourself up to losing games like that. You know, yeah. you know, chasing the game. It was certainly way better for a neutral to see a game that open, much like the York game. You know, they came out in the second half trying to go for it. They gave away a silly goal and they got beat 3-0. I think when you're committing to a cause like this, you're going to get that. But still, as the players have alluded to, they need to win games. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go back to some TD, rea- TD plays, some reaction. Here's Massimo Ferran. Yeah, definitely uh, is frustrating. Um, I think this team obviously is 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 needing and wanting a win and feel like we we deserve one um obviously didn't come tonight we were in it uh, had a few chances game obviously could have went differently um if we were able if we were able to bury a couple of those but at the end of the day we got to get back to work and we got to look to to get our you know our home crowd going uh, now being at home for a little bit and be able to you know get get some momentum and get some wins which we believe we can do Aside from Halifax, all right, Mitch. Before we let you go, what do, what's next for these two? What do you expect next week? You could say big games for both, but particularly for Halifax as they return home. Yeah, you mentioned the six draws for Halifax. Another side with six draws this season being Valor. Um, you know, two teams that will definitely be looking for uh, three points as you know they play out at the Wanderers' grounds, and then. Uh, for Ottawa, uh, they have a difficult challenge. They're staying in Ontario, but uh, they're going away to the hottest team in the CPL, York, uh, on Friday. So that'll be a, a good test for them to see if they can you know, build on a result, something they haven't quite been able to do this season. All right, Mitch, we appreciate it. As ever, catch Mitchell's great work at campl.ca. We'll make a substitution now, and we'll bring in the current reigning player of the year and player's player of the year. Here he is. Here's Ollie Bastet joining us on a rare day off. I appreciate that, mate. Thanks for this. Uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, just, I guess we'll start with just what was the reaction in the dressing room Saturday night after a, a huge win? Nah, uh, thank you, KJ, for having me on. Um, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. But yeah, it was um, it was good. You know, I think it was the first time we've won at home since um, August last year. Um, so yeah, it was a very long time. And, you know, in, in our opinion, we have the best fans in the league. So I think it was, you know, nice to, to give them something to cheer about on the weekend. Um, and it was important for us to, you know, not let the teams at the top kind of get too far away from us um, early on. So, yeah, we're just looking to to use um, the result on the weekend as momentum uh, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, you personally, I thought we, we just talked about it. You were absolutely terrific in that game. But, you know, we felt a little bit as we analysed it, we heard from Carlos Gonzalez as well. You know, you can get a lot into the tactics and the different shapes of different things, Ollie. But that seemed like a second half where it was just about desire and willing yourself to win the game. Would that be fair? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, you can talk about tactics and, and patterns of play and, you know, personnel and all these different types of things as much as you want. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, sometimes football um, is complicated when it's, you know, very much... Uh, 
um, you know, a more simple game. And that's just, you know, outworking your opposition and kind of winning your, you know, individual battles. And yeah, I think all over the pitch on the weekend, you know, to a man, um, including the subs that came on, um, I think, you know, had a had a big impact on the game. And yeah, I think it was, you know, a key to to why we we came away with the three points. Yeah, we highlighted the triple sub and all three of them made a massive impact on that. Talk to me, if you will, Ali, a little bit about what's it been like over the last few weeks, because obviously you had a glorious season last year for the team. A lot of things went well. You go to Vancouver, you get five. It looks like you're back on track. Then you lose to the Cavalry and then a heartbreaker against Forge. But they say you find a lot about yourself, you know, in those turbulent moments in sports. What's it been like as a group digging deep um, and not panicking too much over the last few weeks before that game? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's been it's been tough. I think when you go through any kind of um, stretch of a bad run of form, um, you know, you can maybe start down yourself individually and collectively. But you know, I don't think we've done that. I think we have. We know we look around our locker room every morning in training, and you know, we see the quality that we have with the new guys that we've brought in. But you know, I think it took us a, a bit of time last year as well to get going and get everyone up to speed tactically. Um, you know, I think when we do that and, and everyone's kind of aware of their, their roles and responsibilities uh, within the team, um, you know, I think, you know, hopefully we can see uh, more of the performances that we were able to put in, you know, over the weekend, uh, continue over the course of the season. And you're up to four goals now. You're tied with Sean Hundell as the top goal scorer in the league through eight <laughs> games, which is a nice little stat as well. It speaks to your value as well. But I know you mentioned it a little bit on one soccer, but have you been analyzing your games a little bit more, those runs deep into the box? Because you were there as well for the second one. It could have fell to you at four yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I said, I think after the game, I spoke to the guys in the studio and I kind of, you know, said that when I was, you know, maybe a few years younger and less experienced, it was more for me about, you know, trying to stay involved in the game and get as many touches on the ball as I could. Um, because I felt like I was a player that if I didn't touch the ball, then I'd, you know, I didn't feel like I was affecting the game. But, yeah, I think as I've got older and, you know, gained a bit more experience, um, you know, it's important as a midfielder to have good numbers. So, you know, I'd sacrifice maybe, you know, touching the ball less during, during the match, but then contributing more um, with, you know, a goal or assist. So, yeah, I just kind of tried to get myself into good areas, you know, arriving late on the edge of the box or or making third-man runs. And, you know, I think this season it's um it's been paying off so far, yeah. Yeah, it certainly was the case on Saturday. And then those celebrations afterwards. It's nice to get that second one right after, right? When you feel like you've secured mm. it. Cause you, and particularly right in front of the Vitown boys and everyone in the celebration. What's that connection like with those fans? Because I know that they travel a lot and they've been, they mean a, a ton to you as players. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. They travel, you know, all over Forge, York. Um, you know, they come in numbers at home to support us. But yeah, I think it was, it was nice. You know, I think when you're going through the kind of run of form that we've had and, and you go one nil up. You're obviously to ha happy to be winning, but there's always maybe that thought in the back of the mind that you know a decision could go against you or an individual mistake could could kind of creep in. So yeah, it was nice to get the second uh, for sure. Um, and I think scoring both of the goals in front of you know that section of the ground um, was was nice. You know they've been supporting us week in week out. So yeah, it was it was a nice um, a nice moment. And yeah, we we obviously appreciate you know everyone that comes out. It felt like a true team win too, Ollie. I mean, we've talked about earlier about Rampersad's golden chance, but Melvin makes a terrific save. Mm -hmm. He's been really good for you. It feels like you've got a little bit more continuity with Wimet's form at the back now and that back three in possession. And, you know, you've got Hayworth coming back and there's you know, lots of, I feel like a, a, you're building up with more, more continuity now. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, like you said, um, going back to Sean, um, you know, I think, yes, probably one of the best saves I've seen in a, in a while, you know. Um, it's not like it was straight at him as well. You know, he's had to react quickly and tip it around the post. Um, 
and you know that was at nil nil so I think if if that goes in you know it could be a completely different game so yeah I think he totally kept us in the game and yeah he was immense on Saturday um but yeah you know I think after that we kind of dug in and and maybe the last 20 minutes we were kind of penned in a little bit and under a bit of pressure but you know I think naturally that's going to happen when you go 2-0 up and you know you, you're looking to see a game out couple more for you before we let you go what's Carlos been like and I know you continue to work so closely with him but different you know results of the last few weeks but is it fair to say that he is the same most weeks anyway yeah you know I think so I think him and his staff you know work extremely hard day in day out um you know they're in the office analyzing games and you know our performances in training and stuff like that so yeah he hasn't deviated away too much of of what brought us success last year um I think the tactics have, have kind of stayed similar um, but, you know, I think sometimes as players, it, it, you know, the coach can give you as much as he needs to, but then it has to come down, you know, to the guys that step onto the pitch. So, yeah, I think to a man, everyone, you know, on Saturday was was amazing. And, yeah, we, we I think we felt like we, we thoroughly deserved um, to win that game. That's all the on-pitch stuff. Let's have a little bit of quick fun before we let you go. I heard he's actually granted you a rare day off today. Uh, can you confirm? And I believe you're on the golf course. Is that right? Yeah, so we have today off. Um we travel Thursday for the game against York. Um, so, yeah, my friend's over from the UK right now. So we're just playing playing nine holes. Um, not very well, but, you know, we're out here trying to play. Um, I'm not great. But, you know, it's, it's something to do on the day off. Gets me out of the house, um, yeah. you know, and then probably head to the gym later. But, yeah, it's nice to just spend some some time away from the pitch. It's beautiful country, mate. It gets it's cold a lot it is, many mate. months. So you've got to get out there when it's nice, no? Exactly, yeah. I mean, the, the winters are pretty... Um, you know, dark and gloomy and cold. So, yeah, summer's coming um, soon. So hopefully yeah, we'll just make the most of, of the, the good weather that we have. So modest as ever, if you're not the best golf player on your team, who is? Who, who don't you want to play at golf? Oh, Carl Hayworth is crazy good at golf. Really? Very good, very good. So they had a group last year, me, Carl, Sean and, uh, and Brian. That was kind of the four. And Malcolm Shaw. We play a lot last year, but... Carl's Carl's immense, yeah. Yeah, I've seen him shoot maybe three, four over over Woo! eighteen. So yeah, he's he's got a bit for sure. All right, mates. Well, that sounds fantastic. Listen, well, it sounds like you've got a lot of practice, so we'll let you get back into it. All right. Yeah, I appreciate it, KJ. Thank hey, you so look, much, huh? Hey, congratulations, by the way. You don't know this, but you've been named the CPL player of the week again. So congrats uh, on that. Thank you, KJ. I appreciate it. All right, we appreciate you, thank Ollie. You. Great, great job I'll on Saturday. We'll, uh, all the best soon. Okay, we'll yeah, speak see to you, you soon. Thanks Talk again. Soon. That's bye bye. Matthew, a fantastic performer on Saturday, no doubt about it. And a big win. You could see the relief from them a little bit at the end. The fan base was immense as, as ever. Uh, so congratulations to Ollie and his team. And um, yeah, more than one appearance in the team of the week coming up, which will be announced in the next couple of hours as well. So look for that from Atletico Ottawa. Uh, all right, from the nation's capital, we'll now move over from the bottom of the table, which was Atletico Ottawa. We move to the top where we still find Forge, despite three goals scored only in their last three games. Two of which, by the way, have come in stoppage time. The last one came from Hamilton for Hamilton, Jordan this time with a late one in Calgary. That's where Charlie O'Connor Clark's attention was this weekend. Charlie, great to see you. These teams do not like each other. <laughs> in the end, they found a way of splitting the points. Overall, out of 10, what would you give this contest in terms of its compelling factor? What did you like about it? Yeah, they, they certainly don't like each other. I'll go with a seven. Um, it's mo mostly based on the utter heights that this fixture has produced in the past. I don't think this is the best Forge Cavalry game we've seen, but it was certainly a very entertaining one. 
Uh, it never disappoints, and this one didn't. But yeah, it was it was intense. It was fiery as always. I think there were eight yellow cards in this game, um, and there was some some interesting football, especially in the second half with Forge continuously pressing and and beating down at that cavalry defense. And at the very very almost last moment of the game, they find that goal, and and the narrative in this game shifts in an absolute instant, which is just fascinating to see. So yeah, it was a, a very entertaining game, a, a beautiful day in Calgary as well. Um, and a, a lot, maybe, maybe not a lot we learned about both teams this game, but a lot to, uh, to break down from it. Yeah. A lot to digest. And Jordan Hamilton, who actually I thought last year, I thought of the moment when he came on and got a key goal as a yeah. substitute last year, what looked like to be an equalizer. And in the end, Mickey Cantab got the winner late on. There was not enough time this time. Hamilton this time, instead of waiting for the 84th, I think waited for the 94th <laughs> to get the crucial goal to stop Caffrey getting a chance to come back. Um, is that the story here? The main story coming out of this, Charlie, I know you alluded to it a little bit again in your analysis, but once again, it's Cavalry leaving points behind that they should be taking, not only in the league, but also against Forge. It's a familiar theme this season, but also against Forge where you feel like they just keep leaving things behind that they should take. They they do. They do, man. Cavalry have given up 12 points from winning positions this year. Uh, they've eight, eight games in. Eight games in. They've had three leads against Forge in two games, and they've uh, allowed Forge to score next every single time, all three times. It's just so frustrating for Cavalry because if they hold on for literally 90 more seconds in this game, it's a completely different feeling after the game for them, right? I mean, it's not necessarily a, you know, a, a dominant win by any stretch of the imagination, but if they had held on, then it's a clean sheet home win against the first place team in the league. But they didn't. They didn't. And again, they put themselves in a the position where they don't score the second goal and they allow, you know, they leave themselves vulnerable to that kind of thing, right? If you're only ever up by one goal, then you're always at risk of giving up a late equalizer and dropping points. And in the first half, especially, Cavalry had some of those chances. They really, really were knocking at the door with some of those transition moments. We're going to talk about Ali Moussi in a bit, but he was, Forge didn't really have an answer for him in the first half of this game. But then the second, we see maybe a bit of an adjustment from Forge. We see Cavalry maybe having to absorb more pressure in this game and not finding the counterattacks that they had in the first half. And just at the end of the day, it's it's Forge who, in the very, very end of the game, find a way through. And, and now Cavalry, it's the same old story, and they're just continuously frustrated like that. Yeah, let's get into some positive with Ali Musi and a little bit of frustration as well on Cal- Cavalry's side in a second. Before we do that, let's go back to Spruce Meadows at Gofield and hear from Cavalry boss Tommy Wilden Jr. I just felt this one we would see through. That's what is the heart-wrenching one because, look, Forge are a great side. They've shown it. Three-time champions. They can mix it with MLS teams. They can mix it in CONCACAF. Um, today, I thought we were outstanding in the first half with the ball. And then second half, we had to show a different side of us with the defence. So it is a gut punch to concede a goal that early because everything they threw at us, we seemed to block and be able to counter. And yeah, I'm sick to the stomach for the boys. He's right. But what else is right is they only had one shot on goal. Charlie, like as much as they were really good with the ball, Moosey's shot, you could argue, should have been saved by Tristan Henry, who's been wonderful, but he, I'm sure he would want that back at his near yeah. post. So you really, you could say, back to your point, did they create enough chances to get two goals? Did they create enough chances to see it out in that side? And the other thing too is, is, is it a case now as if you can, if you can stop Ali Moosey, you can kind of stop Cavalry. Is that fair? 
in a game like this, it kind of felt like it, where it certainly seemed like Cavalry's attacking moments were going to come in those transition moments when they were able to be a little bit direct and maybe bypass the Forge press, which is what they like to do. And obviously, Ali Musi is one of the best players in the league so far this season. He's been unstoppable in a lot of senses. And just the the connection of of him and and maybe Sergio Camargo I'll put in there as well. Good point. Kind of kind of engines for Cavalry going forward in this game. Camargo running up and down the pitch to play these little give and goes and eventually get it out to Musi out on the wing. Um, and that is where it felt like all the all of the the best Cavalry attacks were going to come down. And as Forge adjust in the second half, they maybe find that extra year, that bit of energy that they maybe didn't have in the first half. And we'll, we'll talk about why they didn't have that in a second. But yeah, it, it seems like once you are able to identify that part of the attack and neutralize it, then you know, there's, there's not a lot else that uh, Cavalry are going, to, are going to hit you with at the moment. And that's got to be really frustrating as well. This is not necessarily a knock on Cavalry. This is more of a general football point. Things I don't like to see. When teams are winning by one goal, particularly home teams, I don't like 93rd minute subs. Hmm. I don't like them. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because I think it just kills the momentum a bit. It sends a message. It felt like Cavalry were slowing down. Those, I think Marco Corducci got a warning for time wasting in the 86th minute or something. It just felt like they were just, they could see the line and they get on their knees a little bit instead of staying and standing tall. They were climbing towards the line when they should have seen it out. I don't like 93rd minute subs because I just think it sends a message that you're trying to time waste. And now the, nowadays, refs will just add it on. And you see it more mm-hmm. and more with five subs. It's almost like, oh, we've got another guy. Well, let's just throw him on there and try and buy a bit of time. Um, that's my thought. And, and look, it's not necessarily targeted at Calvary. It's just a general football thought. Um, before we get into fours, let's go back to the uh, uh, Spruce Meadows and get some reaction. Here's Ali Musi. It's, it's a tough one, honestly, because like the margin is very, very fine. You know, we're like either one call, like we're one goal away, like it's, it's very tight. So it's, it's very difficult to uh, to summarize how it's been. But um, like I said, we have to keep going. I take some responsibility on my end. I could have scored, you know, get the team up 2-0. We might come out with a 2-1 win. Um, but yeah, we have to recoup and we really have to uh, learn from this because it's it's been reoccurring a bit too much. and. Uh, we're dropping too many points at this point. So we have to really lock in on both ends and be more aggressive. Moosey taking responsibility there. I think it was a bit harsh. You mean he's been one of the best players in the league, no doubt about it. Um, as for the player reaction on the other side, let's go back and hear from Captain Forge. Here's Kyle Becker. We've actually been talking about that a lot as a group. Um, obviously we've played, uh, I think it's our fifth game in 16 days. It's, uh, it's been pretty demanding. We've been playing in two competitions. We've played some great games. We've had some tough games. But in this league, you have to be resilient. Um, sometimes it's not going to be pretty, but you have to find a way. And picking up points, especially on the road in a tough place to play like this, is, is massive at the end of the season. So we know we just have to keep going. Um, the goals aren't coming in, in bunches for us right now, but we just have to be persistent. Um, and that's the message we've had as a group. And it's, it's, it's great to get a goal like that late in the game when we feel like we've been pushing. We had the bulk of possession. It's a little sloppy at times. Um, we'll be the first to say that, but you have to find a way. Good teams find a way. Good teams find a way. And I think he summed it up there. Ultimately, not pretty. Third game in three different cities in eight days. Yeah. Uh, the schedule maker's not been kind at all at this point to Forge. Of course, they will get that back. It's always going to be the same in the end. Um, 
any major concerns going forward, particularly going particularly in an attack, or is it just what Carl Becker said there in terms of just grinding through these? Yeah, I, you certainly can't call them major concerns when they're certainly not firing on all cylinders. I think any Forge player would tell you right now, and they're still in first place despite Pacific scoring a bazillion goals in the last month or right. or, or whatever the real number is. Kyle's right, though. Five, like five games in 16 days, uh, They what separates a, a really, really great team from just a good team is that they find a way to get something out of a game, even when they're not at their best, right? Forge, in, in their last four CPL games, 62 shots and just three goals, which, uh, again, if you're a coach like Bobby Smirniotis, you look at that and you say, well, I'm really glad we're creating the shots, but the ball needs to start going in more. And I think it will, obviously, for Forge. They went through a similar stretch like this last year in June as well, I think. And then I think as we ticked over to July, Wubens Passius, just the ball started going in for him. I think he had, what, like like a, a hat trick against Edmonton and then two goals in his next three games as well. Uh, so it it's not something that I would be sounding any alarm bells about with Forge uh, by any means, but you know, you'll, you'll certainly want to see them taking over earlier in games, maybe not having to to come back from behind. Again, if, if the story with Cavalry is dropping points from losing positions, Forge are way out in front of the rest of the league with six points gained from from losing positions. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and it's just, it's, it's remarkable to see the way that they're just never counted out. Never. And I mean, it, their first loss of the season against York on Wednesday, it took a 93rd, 94th minute, absolute wonder goal from Rem Samaro for them to lose a game, right? Uh, so again, with Forge, it just feels like it's incredibly difficult to beat them, and if you give them an opportunity, they will beat you and they will they will, uh, they will find a way to at least get something out of it. I don't think the goals will come. They'll start coming more freely. I think so too, and, and we have to say, when you talk about Forge's problems, it's almost like you have to say, like, okay, first world problems, because we understand that they're not as deep as issues in terms of other clubs. You know what right. I mean? They are very deep, and their problems are not as pro- certainly not as heightened as some they're other in first teams. place. They're in first place, exactly. Um, but they've only scored more than one goal in two out of the nine games, and one of mm-hmm. those was a game when they got a penalty. Uh, the thing is, I think that out of necessary out of, out of necessary scheduling the rotation has been clear right Johnson hasn't played as many games they Beck has only played a few games in a row now they keep changing up front you know I'm not quite sure he feels like he knows his best 11 yet but I think when they get that and they get a long stretch of just playing one game a week I think the dam will burst and open the only thing I would say is that at that point it's time to either Terran Campbell Rubens Passius or Jordan Hamilton to be their f- number nine. Like they need a player who's going to play five, six, seven games to, in a row almost from the start and just get on a run. And if they get on that run, then they're going to be fine. I just think that's been a little bit of an issue right now. We saw with Hamilton, particularly in that York game, he should have put the game, he should have had the game, should have been put him away before even Samaro scored from 40 yards or whatever it was. So I think that will be a, a, a clear area that they want to get more efficient in front of goal. Um, yeah. Here's Bobby, here's Bobby Smirniotis after this game. I think it's something uh, that builds up in a team and it builds up in the DNA and the culture of the group. Um, it's one thing I, I ask uh, from the players, you know, to try and be as consistent as possible in the, in the good, uh, but also when things aren't going well in the game. Um, 
because that's football. I said it on Wednesday night. We got scored on the 93rd minute. You know, it happened to us uh, in that moment, and uh, the football gods will turn around and give us one at some point. Um, so you just have to keep an, uh, an even state of, uh, of a mindset, and that's one thing we try and do with the team. We don't get too excited after wins. We don't get too down after losses. And if you keep that mentality, it helps you in games like this one. As ever, even keel Bobby there. Uh, what's next for these two, Charlie? Two juicy games coming up for these guys. What do you expect? Yeah, this is going to be fun. I mean, we start with Forge being at home against Pacific. Top of the table clash. Winner, winner goes into first place. Two teams that are just fire. I mean, Pacific firing right now, uh, scoring some goals. So that's uh, the, the biggest test probably Forge have had in, in the league yet this year. So that'll be just fascinating. Probably a, a must-watch game even for neutral. Uh, and then Cavalry, they're also at home again. And they're going to welcome Vancouver FC to Spruce Meadows for the first time which will be fun, especially because Cavalry were pretty upset with the way that they, they didn't get the win against Vancouver that last time out in Langley. So there's a some unfinished business for them as well there. So I, th those are both going to be really intriguing games where I think we'll maybe learn a little bit more about trends for both of these teams. Yeah, fantastic stuff. By the way, quickly, it's been an amazing weekend for football, not only in the CPL, uh, but Victor Latore, former Cavalry player, yeah. <laughs> with Ross County. Uh, if anyone didn't see it, he was playing in a premiership playoff where they're down 3-0 on aggregate and they get a 91st-minute goal to send it to extra time and then they win on penalties. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this also came in a weekend when Toby Alderweireld smashed one in from 25 yards to win a title for Royal Antwerp in Belgium in like the 93rd minute. Yeah. Uh, this is just great football right now, Charlie, but great for Victor to stay in the, in, in the Scottish Premier League under Malky Mackay. Absolutely. That was that was amazing. And I, I, it's hard to keep tabs sometimes on all of the many CPL players that are you know, out and, and <laughs> playing their trade around the world now. But he has been killing it over there as such a young player to find his home in that side. And I'm really glad that at, at the very least, he's going to, to have another year in the Scottish Premiership and, and maybe who knows what else comes next for him. Yeah, it's a real fun time of year in Europe with these, uh, you know, these deciding knockout games affecting playoff positions and league titles. It doesn't get much better uh, than that. All right, Charlie, thanks again. Keep up the great work as ever. Read Charlie's stuff at campiel.ca. A reminder, CPL Predictor is back, brought to you by our friends at Tony Bet. Campiel.ca slash predictor is where you choose the scores. You can win up to 20,000. And we try and give you some tips here as well. Tickets to games that can win on there as well. Next, we move on to Winnipeg, Manitoba, where Valor welcomed York United in a game that ended 1-1. The fourth time involved a game involving Valor has ended that way this season. Benedict Rhodes watched this one for us. Very different 1-1 Benedict than we've seen from Valor most of the time this year. This was a wide open game, a fun game. Uh, what number out of 10 would you give this contest and its compelling factor and why? What did you like about this one? I'll give it a seven and a half. I think it, it was an exciting game, very end-to-end. -end. Like you said, it was, there's a lot of opportunities for both teams and and some, some brilliant goalkeeping for watching YouTube. You saw a fantastic save from, from Nico Giansopoulos, one of the saves of the month nominees, I'm sure, at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, both these teams played well. I think, you know, Valor felt like they had more opportunities in this game maybe to, to win this game. But, you know, York after having zero shots in the first half, really came out strong in the second half and and, and took the lead early and 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 really uh, pushed it to Valor, I guess, to, to try and get what would have been a fourth consecutive win on the road, which would have been a club record, or extending their club record. Uh, but, you know, both teams settled for one point in the end, but I think uh, both teams will come away feeling as though they probably could have had more. 
it was a wide open game, really, wasn't it? And what was good about it is we saw Babuli score for, for York. I thought Di Rosario struggled a little bit, but his link-up play was better. Di Brienne, absolute magnificent individual goal on his right foot, and he's quickly becoming a star player in this league. We'll talk more about him as well, but Williams and Nyunga Berry were effective. It seemed like both attacking teams were very effective at crucial areas to keep this game wide open. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Asazi Di Rosario's maybe a bit of a difficult start to the season. I thought he did look a, a little bit sharper in this game. He seemed to be maybe combining a little bit better with the, the midfielders just below him in the team than he had maybe had in previous weeks. So I think, uh, you know, if you're, if you're Martin Nash, maybe you want to try playing him for a second consecutive game, which is something he hasn't done a lot of this season, and maybe try to get him get him going a bit. But uh, and, the, and the Valor group as well, you know, Nyong, Beer, Williams are good in the wings. Uh, Siage that looked 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 okay up the middle, and, and Novak off the bench looked effective as well. And and uh, it was very end to end. Both teams were going at each other from from minute one to minute ninety. Yeah, as I mentioned off the top, again another theme here was Flip to Santos's changes that I think made a big difference in this game as well. Um, Valor have only lost one game uh, uh, out of eight. I know they don't win them, and they don't win many, but the game that they lost, they played really well, and it was the three-two um, topsy-turvy game in Hamilton. Uh, they've also drawn games a lot. Four of them won one. Three have now seen them come from behind in those games. So you, you get a feeling that they were lucky or certainly wanted to secure that. That didn't seem the case in this one, Benny. Do you think that the feeling was talking to the coaches and players that, that this was probably a game they should have won? I think I think so. You know, there's a, there's a couple of chances in this game that Valor really should have put in the back of the net. You know, there's one in the first half where Pacific Nyongabir was was I think less than six yards away from the goal and, and missed was a free header from a couple of yards out. And then uh, same thing happened in the second half with Walter Ponce. Um, so they feel as though the, those two opportunities should have gone in. They they did get the the wonder goal from from Debrien to ultimately get a point. But I think you know they'll they'll feel as though they they probably should have had you know, two or three more goals in this game. Let's go back to IG Field and hear from the reaction from Valor. Here's their head coach, Philip De Santos. I don't fault the guys in, in their effort and their commitment. It's just been incredible and a joy to, uh, to coach and, 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 and work with these guys every day. Um, but football is about defining moments and it's about the small moment, uh, moments and it's about taking your chances and making sure that we, we, we don't give anything to the opposition. And, you know, I think that today, again, uh, we have two, three very clear chances. I think about Pacific in the first half in the six-yard box. I think about also a set play in the second half. I look at the uh, uh, half chances where, where we could put uh, good balls in, in behind the opposition or, or, or crosses that are going to generate volume and danger in the area. And we just, we're just missing a little bit of... It's like that perfect dish. Uh, but we're missing the salt and pepper, so we just need to, we just need a little bit of salt and pepper right now. For me, that's the way I see. Benny, how much dinners do you have with salt and pepper on them? Enough. <laughs> <laughs> just a little salt and pepper needed there. Uh, you know, who's more important in an ingredient than salt and pepper for Valor, and that's Matteo Di Brienne. Like he might be like the the sauce or something on the spaghetti right now. He's just getting everything going. Um, one of six outfield players in the CPL this season still to play every minute. This was an outstanding performance before the goal. Still playing left back, which is not necessarily his favorite position. Um, what are we seeing in the evolution of this player, who might, who right now is the runaway leader, by the way, in the uh, candidates to become under twenty one Canadian Player of the Year. Yeah, he's absolutely the front runner for, for that award. I think you know this game he 
He was doing a bit of everything. You know, he, he led the team in, in several defensive categories. I think he won possession back 11 times, I think, in this game. Uh, he, he was he made a couple of big tackles. There's one on Johnny Grant towards the end of the first half where mm. uh, York looked like they were maybe going to go up and, and, and score a late goal in, to end the first half and made a huge sliding tackle to, to end that. Um, and, and he was he was very solid in this game. You know, going forward as well, I think he had nine crosses attempted in this game. He was getting the ball into the box. He should have had an assist on the Ponce miss chance. He played in the cross that led to the Nyongabir miss chance as well. So he was, he was doing a bit of everything in this game and, and you know, he's becoming a, a very well-rounded player in this league. Yeah, he's playing great. Let's go back to uh, IG Field and hear from Matteo De Brienne. You know, in, in training, there's a lot of situations where I try to recreate moments like that where I'm able to create myself some space uh, on the inside. But uh, Daryl Fordyce has also challenged me to become a stronger player on my right foot. And so today I just felt like it was one of those opportunities where I might be able to prove him prove him wrong. And uh, I just managed to create myself some space and I managed to connect on a strike that ended up in the back of the net. So you know, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, let's talk about York United. Um Again, like Forge, had had a game midweek, which is never easy. Then they had to travel. Uh, you know, you could sense that their legs were certainly not as strong. Um, I think a lot of their numbers will be down in terms of their minutes and the running. Apart from Brem Samaro, I think is still running, by the way. He might have ran back from Winnipeg to York instead of taking the flight. That's uh, how athletic that guy is. Um, what did you think of them? They continued to impress me. Samaro and Alouin midfield, I think, are a tremendous tandem right now. Gagnon Lapare is back, healthy. He came on. Petrasso's getting there. I know they haven't got the goals, but you mentioned Johnny Grant. He was very good. There's a lot to like about this this team at the moment, the way they're playing with Martin Nash. Yeah, absolutely. Seven points in one week is about as about as good as it gets in the Canadian Premier League, especially with two of those games being in Hamilton and in Winnipeg. So it was a very good week for them. You know, you mentioned Samaro. He was excellent in midfield. I think he started the season playing a bit more at center back, and now he's kind of gone more of an advanced role. And I think. That's, that's really allowed York to, you know, dominate the midfield in some games. And in this game, you know, they, they were defensively solid. Um, and, and just the ability to, you know, get up the pitch and transition, you know, that helps with Babuli, it helps with Alou and Sumaros. So and these guys, you can just quickly just turn around and, and go up the field really fast. And uh, the, the goals will come. But for now, you know, they're, they're putting in some strong performances and, and still find a way to pick up results. Yeah, they've been very good. Uh, let's hear their thoughts of their gaffer. Here's Martin Nash. We had good moments today. Um, I thought we were quite good in possession in a lot of areas in the first half, but we weren't connecting it higher up the higher up in the pitch. Um, we tried to reorganize a few things um, at halftime to you know because we, we felt we could get more, uh, create a few more chances. Uh, and then you know the guys, I mean it's our third game in seven days, so the guys have been putting in a shift, and a lot of guys have played all three games. So I think once we got the lead, maybe sat back a bit. Um, and uh, we did have a few breaks to, to try and get that second goal. But, uh, yeah, we know coming here, it's, it's never an easy game. Um, you know, they're organized. They work hard. And, uh, you know, it was everything we expected. And, um, you know, we're, we're pleased after the week we had to come away with one point. Yeah, I mean, three games in seven days, all in different areas for them as well. Not easy. And it doesn't get much easier, by the way. We get to what's next for them. But they play again Friday. So I uh, wouldn't be surprised to see Martin Nash rest some players ahead of that one before they get a bit more of a longer week, a longer gap before they fly across country to Pacific the week after. Um, but it's there's no secret to this success. It's continuity. You know, they've not Martin Nash has not been able to play the same players consistently uh, for a long time. And suddenly now you can think, 
okay, you can start seeing this pattern. Samaro and Lou look really good together. You know, I think Tas Mutakudis' passing range, particularly his angles when he brings the ball out, it's a big difference. With Fire on the left, he can play those, those that, that range a little bit different. There's balance there. Grant G playing well. We, we, we alluded to, you know, Bahia's doing great down the right. There's a lot of consistency there. So what's next for York uh, uh, and Val, Benny, as they head into that next weekend? And what do you expect from them? Yeah, like you mentioned, York are, are back at home this week. They play on Friday. Uh, bit of a short turnaround again, but they'll be looking to, to pick up another big result at home against an Ottawa team who's also looking to string a couple of wins together. Uh, and then Valor hit the road, and they're going to Halifax, which is a big game for both teams, I think. You know, both teams were looking for a win. Uh, Halifax maybe more than more than Valor at the moment. They're they're getting a little bit desperate maybe for a win, and for their home fans, they'll be, they'll be keen to, to, to beat Valor and, and get themselves back on track as well. Yeah, that's going to be a huge game, no doubt about it, on the East Coast. Benny, we appreciate you carry on the great work as ever at campiel.ca for Benny's work there. We continue here on the newsroom presented by Volkswagen. Last but by no means least, the final game of the four, and we head back to Friday night's clash in Langley, B.C., for a record-breaking night. And for that, we bring in Alex Ganguruzic, who has been involved in a lot of games. He's seen a lot of special games over the years. Uh, AGR, I'm excited for your rating here. Overall, out of 10, what would you give this contest and why? Well, I think uh, I have to give it a 10, right? At a certain yes. point, that, the bar has to be hit, and I think it definitely hit that. It was a special week for goals in BC, by the way. I think I had a stretch of uh, nearly 30 across the last five I've been to. It's It's been absurd. So this one, it hit at everything I'd want to see in, in a you know in a soccer game. It had, uh, you know, the derby, uh, you know, obviously – uh, derbies they're, they're played but you know they're they're for the fans they're by the fans but they're played by the players and you know what I loved about this game is that both teams were up for the derby Vancouver it, it seemed personal and you know Pacific with the, the sort of team they are you could tell it was simmering and they really wanted to to get one over Vancouver and you could just see what it meant to them and then you see the the performances the goals just you know goals flying left right center record-breaking performance in terms of the overall goals you got a couple other records along the way I mean I think everyone who was at this game got their money's worth and then some they certainly did. I mean, TJ Tahid becoming the youngest goal scorer in CPL history. Nine goals, as we alluded to off the top. Massive difference with the substitutions from James Merriman as well. Ayman Salouf, who is already one of the best players in the CPL, showed it again, just coming on and being a gem, setting up a goal, uh, scoring a goal, getting fouled for the penalty as well. Um, we have to talk about Pacific because there's so much to like about them at the moment, AGR. Uh, you used the word resilience in your analysis, which I thought was a great one. But when the game was over and you finished it, what was your overwhelming, overwhelming major thoughts on them as a team right now after it was all done? Yeah, I mean, you just you look at the group and you can only be fascinated by it, the way James Merriman has it all together. And I feel like, you know, credit also has to be given to to him because, you know, it's as I've kind of when I when I saw the the depths of this Pacific team heading into the season, I, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised based on that, but as I also kind of noted before the season, depth is both both a blessing and a curse because when you have all this depth, when you get it clicking, it's just, you know, majestic. Like the fact that you're able to bring on Eamon Salufs and Eason Ongaros and Kakuta Manes who are scoring goals like that for fun. Like it's great, but there's also the flip side of it where if you get it wrong, all of a sudden you have guys like Eason Ongaros sitting on the bench and they're probably thinking like, you know, what is this? I, you know, I'm a goal scorer in this league. I should be playing. But when you kind of get that balance, you have it where a guy like Hungaro is on the bench right now, and it's not even a bad thing. It's okay. Work that much 
harder just to win your spot. And then, you know, when you come off the bench, make the most of it so you can, you can kind of push. And I just love the mentality. You talk to anyone in that Pacific team right now, they're confident. It doesn't matter what their role is. They know what they're doing is important, but there's also a bit of competitive fire, a bit of hunger. You can tell whenever, you know, they're in training, they're, they're in these games, every, every moment matters. And I think that's how they were able to grab a win like this, where look, they didn't have the greatest start. It was, you know, very entertaining game, of course, for the neutral, but Pacific had two leads on the road against a team. They feel that they should beat. They're in at halftime. Vancouver's got momentum. So for Pacific, the fact they're able to just keep going, keep going, keep going, and then just break the dam open. You can almost tell after the game, it wasn't like a, relief it wasn't like a you know some sort of emotion it was just okay we did our job all right great stuff on to the next yeah I mean I suppose but as a coach when you get six goals uh it's special but you're also thinking about the three that was certainly on the mind of James Merriman after this one yeah I think it's great for the fans um great for the the story of uh our two teams going at it the local teams so um we were frustrated with with how difficult we made the game for ourselves. I don't think it should have been like this. I, um, we scored early, which was great. We had a couple of good chances and we gave up a, a poor goal. And then we score and then we give up a weak goal again. So, I mean, our, we've, we've been doing well defensively and off the ball, but we were, I don't know why, but we couldn't, couldn't defend. We didn't defend well today. Disappointing, but, um, but we scored six goals, so. Score six goals. Score six goals. So, okay, fair enough. Um, AGR, we've talked a bit of a theme all show here was major changes making major differences uh, all weekend in the CPL. We saw it with with Valor, with their changes. We saw it with Atletico Ottawa. We saw it with Forge. And we saw it with Pacific. A great day for Merriman. His key subs, particularly with Salouf and Yates, Angaro. Many of them, you know, uh, Angaro got the goal. Obviously, so did Mane. Key changes. Great day for him. Who was who was some of the key players that you thought really rose to the occasion in this one? Yeah, for sure. I'm, you know, lots to like. And I love the the depth point because I went through it. Nine different goal scores already for for Pacific. And they somehow don't have a brace this year, despite their uh, uh, outburst. But uh, in this game, there was two for, for Pacific in particular. And, you know, it has to be offensively in a game like this. To start, it was Josh Hurd. I think he needed a game like this. He's been playing very well, taking on that captaincy role, but we haven't really maybe seen as much of him in the final third as he can bring, especially last year. We we saw him take over games. Now it feels, you know, it's, it, it, it feels like he's had another gear to hit. It's almost been like he's taken a step back and helped other guys, you know, ease into their new roles. He's been playing on the right instead of his usual left. Today, or not today, but on Friday, he was on his left and uh, he, he was up for it. Ibrahim Bakare, a bit of a fiery character, as we know, was trying to get under him right in the, the, the second minute hit. You know, Josh Hurd got a yellow. Those two were jawing back and forth. It was, you know, popcorn box office right in front of us in the press box. And then what does Josh Hurd do? He goes, turns him inside out and puts that ball into the top corner. And it kind of summed up what kind of performance it was from Josh Hurd. You do not want to poke that bear uh, because he'll, he'll rip things out like that. And then I think off the bench, Eamon Salouf, I mean, what I love about him is we mentioned it a couple weeks back, his 1v1 ability and how he's so tricky 1v1. He doesn't have a wide arsenal, so to speak, but he's one of those guys who has a handful to a dozen moves, but he uses them all so well. And I think if you look at his three sequences of goals, I love how he builds each one. First one, what do you do? You run at them, you cut inside, you score. 
okay, what's in the mind of the defender next time you run down the field? He's going to cut inside. He's going to cut inside. You see them all like step inside. What does that do? It leaves Easton on to go right down highway one and then uh, get the pass and score. And then the third time you're like, okay, let's just stand there and, and let him, you know, let's not let him go outside inside. So if cuts in, they panic, he makes the move, wins a penalty. And I just love when, when wingers have that sort of thought process where not only are they trying to score, trying to assist in the moment, but they're setting up moves that, that might pay off later. And Saluf does such a great job of that. Yeah, so good. Such a, such a great player. And, um, you know, lots of players to like. You highlight, too. Adonijah Reed was terrific. There's so many of them. So many of them right now. As for the other side, let's go back to Langley. Here's some reaction from Vancouver FC head coach. Here's Ashvin Gottlieb. Players showed some spirit. They fought back. Uh, uh, 6-3, I think, was an unfair result. Uh, but I think it was a, a very good game for our fans and uh, fans in Canada to see a very uh, a game full of goals, full of chances, and, and a lot of excitement. Uh, we're on the wrong end of it, uh, but uh, I think we'll grow, we'll improve through these, uh, these games. Uh, and and I, I think we saw a side of our team uh, that we are capable of scoring goals, we are capable of, of creating chances, and Pacific is obviously one of the strongest teams in the league. They have so much quality in almost in every position. Um, again, I'm disappointed. Uh, I am sad for our fans because we we uh, showed them something for 66 minutes and raised their expectation again, and we let them down. And uh, we'll work on it. We'll go back to work uh, again immediately, and we'll try to uh, improve in the next match. Still a magical day. TJ Tahita, 16 years old, becoming the youngest goal scorer in the history of the league. And he, it was a fine finish as well. He said the scoreline was unfair. I think Pacific's XG was less than two and a half. So it would probably suggest that a little bit. Um, what do you make of this Vancouver team right now, AGR? Is it um, is it a sense of like if they take the you know, they, they, they take the restraints off a little bit and come wide open. It becomes a track meet that they can't really compete like the Ottawa game. And if it's tight, then they can get the points. Is that a little bit too general? Is that fair? Uh, I think it's something where uh, I think we're seeing maybe a bit of the realities of their expansion team and what they've thrown together. Um, I think what's been clear watching them is they've got some great attackers. I think that's something where expansion teams don't typically have that. And I think, again, you saw Sean Hundal had a fantastic game. I didn't shout him out in, in my greats, but I thought he was, uh, you know, if you're looking on the Vancouver side, Hundal was great. TJ Tahid to, to, to get that sort of production already out of a 16-year-old and just the maturity he has in his game already, fearless to run at guys. He kind of has, you know, this fearless mentality. Of course, we've seen the quality Gael Sandoval has and, you know, how big was the return of Gabriel Batar. That's, that's a quality front four right there. That's a front four that can do damage. And then you look at the other end, when, that the, their defenders get the play in front of them and they're able to set. I mean, Rocco Romeo, uh, you know, is, is a very, very good center back in this league. You know, Pele Martinez has had some bright games as of late. Uh, you know, Ibrahim Bakari as well, you know, maybe it wasn't his best night on Friday, but he's also showing quality. It just feels like for them, it's figure out how you put both sides of that together. How do you get it where you're getting defenders behind the ball, you're helping your defenders, but you're getting the ball to those, that front four. Cause there's, feels like in games where they've defended well, their front four has been a bit isolated. They haven't gotten them on the ball as much. And when games when they're their front four like this are flying and, and look great, it just feels like there's something missing to kind of connect it all. And that's kind of going to be the next step for Afshin Gopi. And, you know, that's just the reality of an expansion team. You look at that team, you wonder, okay, maybe they could use another midfielder or two. And look, that's something where I'm sure they're, they're looking at that and, and will want to correct that in whatever way possible. 
Yeah, as usual, great points. It seems like maybe like a, a group of like 14, 15 players max that he really, really trusts right now. Um, and that's a little bit the lacking of the depth, which is natural, as, as you alluded to. Um, but, you know, Bakri, Martinez still played every minute of every game so far, which is exactly what you need when you're setting up uh, from the back for an expansion team. Um, what's next for these guys? What do you expect next week for these two teams, AGR? Uh, for sure. It's uh, two big games. I mean, Vancouver travels to Cavalry, so another away trip to, to a tough locale. Cavalry is obviously going to be fired up after dropping late points uh, in, in the sort of, you know, top top matchup they've got with, with Forge going on there. So Vancouver will be have their hands full. It'll be interesting to see what they can bring defensively after allowing six because they bounce back by heading to Forge and getting a, a nil-nil last time they had a, a similar performance at home defensively. As for Pacific, I mean, the, this one's the the top spiel, as they say in Germany, right? The the top two teams in the standings, and I'm always loving watching those sorts of games. So they travel to Forge in what should be a spicy, spicy game. The the first one was such a good game tactically, that 1-0 win where Forge came in. Maybe got a bit lucky with the goal, but had such a good defensive performance in Pacific where we're also great on the day. So I, I feel like this one should uh, should be a special one. Yeah, looking forward to both those games as well. Uh, great to see you again. And as usual, the goals continue to follow you around, man. AGR, more goals in Holland. That's the uh, that's the name right now. I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, keep up the great work as ever. Catch AGR's work at campio.ca and, of course, One Soccer. Let's take a look at the standings as we wrap up week eight in the CPL. And it continues to be the same story at the top, but getting closer. No doubt about it. Forge had the opportunity to extend that. They're still only at the top. And they've only played, they played one game more than some teams. Nine games played 16 points for forge pacific just one point back with one game on in hand york are third on 13 uh, they played one more game as well and the rest have all played eight cavalry fourth on nine just ahead of valor on nine atletico ottawa sixth eight from eight vancouver fc seven from eight and at the bottom winless so far halifax wanderers six points from eight it's that tight right now uh, week nine in the cpl starts friday as we alluded to at york lion stadium york united against atletico ottawa carries a double header on saturday halifax wanderers boy oh boy are they looking at this one to think that they could win this against valor oh, that's a local kickoff there as well early on that one on saturday forge against pacific is the nightcap heavyweight clash there in Hamilton. And then on Sunday, Cavalry, uh, a theme here where Halifax and Cavalry, both on that right-hand side of the graphic, if you're watching key home games, they will look to want to win as they take on Vancouver FC. Until next week, we'll see you then. And we'll leave you with the best already from someone who's becoming the quickest set-piece menace in the CPL, Amir Didich, already on the goals with, with, with a lot of goals already through eight games. Young man on set pieces is so dangerous. You almost want to get two guys on him.